This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Okay, we got ushers coming down the aisle with Bibles. We'd love to put a Bible in your hand today, and you can use it for the service, or you can just take it home and have it. It's yours, but those are working their way to you. If you'll look on the review, uh, you're going to see an incredible, incredible biography of the guest speaker we have scheduled today. I mean, if you look through this, this guy is the executive director of the International Christian Embassy for Jerusalem. So he was flying from Jerusalem to Nashville for meetings this week and asked to speak at our church. It was such an honor. The only problem is his plane didn't make it in this morning. So he'll come back another time and you're stuck with me again. But listen, thank you. My fan club's here in the front row, right? But here's the deal. I'm very enthusiastic about speaking to you this morning because we're going to talk about why Israel matters. Uh, Dr. Bueller was going to be here to address that subject, and you can see from the review his qualifications are better than mine on this subject. But here's the reason why I am excited about speaking to you, because I love to talk about God's plan for Israel and the Jewish people, because I believe it has incredible relevancy to your life. Uh, we're going to go to Second Chronicles uh, chapter 6, and you can find it there. We're not going to stand today because we're, we're a little bit out of our regular rhythm, uh, but that'll give you some time. We'll be in Second Chronicles chapter 6 in a little bit. As you know, too, the review is not going to, excuse me, the uh, version is not going to be helpful to you this morning either uh, for our outline. But guys, immediately, some of you are thinking, oh no, not Israel. Why we're going to talk about Israel today. There is a huge temptation for us to marginalize this subject because the subject is very complicated. And complicated subjects uh, we, we want to ignore because our lives are complicated. Right? I mean, listen, there, there are issues some of you are dealing with. I know some of you are dealing with um, broken pipes in your house right now. And you're, you've come to church today and you have physical problems with your home, or you have challenges with your business uh, because uh, sales haven't happened this week because of the ice, and you know you got another probably couple of days with your kids at home that will drive any mother insane. Our grandparent watching kids, and so I understand that those issues, the day-to-day issues, are what are pressing in on you, and, and I'm aware of that, and that's why, truthfully, we only address the issue of Israel once a year at the most. Unless Dr. Bueller comes back later on this year, then we'll do it twice this particular year. But we do that because I understand the rhythm of your life, and I understand that sometimes you don't have the mental and emotional capacity to, to worry about Israel. But, but let's just pretend we were living in the late 1700s and the 1780s, to be specific, and life was complicated on the farm or on the ranch, and we thought, hey, you know that little skirmish between the Revolutionary Army and the British, I don't really care about that. I'm just too busy to worry about that. Or we're in the 1860s, and we used to think, you know that fight between the North and the South, the blue and the gray? Uh, you know, who cares what's happening there? In the 1940s, could you imagine if we thought, well, that guy with the funny mustache in Germany, you know, who cares what he's, what's going on with him because I'm just worried about my daily needs. There's a great temptation to be, become overwhelmed with our day-to-day needs and not realize, have the perspective that we're living in the middle of history right now. Listen, 
20 years from now, 40 years from now, 50 years from now, uh, the events of the world and, and how they're framed in your life and what you're thinking about them and how you're responding to them will make a difference. That's why this subject is good for us to give a little attention to this morning. It's also interesting because something historic can happen in our nation on March 3rd. Congress has invited Benjamin Netanyahu to come speak to Congress, which is kind of doing not the custom to not include the president in this invitation. So it's, it's something that will be in the news and an informed opinion. And today, I'm not, I'm not talking politics. We're, we're talking biblical perspective. The biblical perspective on God's plans for the Jewish people really will matter. But beyond that, you're gonna be blessed today. You're gonna be blessed because you're gonna see a parallel in your life with what God has done with the Jewish people. It parallels with what God's doing in you. You know, the Jewish people and the existence of the nation of Israel today is a sign unto you. It's a sign given to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. So it was about 1,100 years ago, David needed a capital. And he captured a centralized city, the Jebusites owned. And he made this the capital of the Jewish people. We know that city as Jerusalem. And he didn't do this arbitrarily. He did this under the leadership of the Lord. Because though the Lord used David's leadership, the Lord is the one who chose Jerusalem. Second Chronicles chapter three, verse three. Excuse me, Second Chronicles chapter six, verse six. Says it this way. But now, you can put that on the screen, Todd. But now I have chosen Jerusalem, Second Chronicles 6, 6. I have chosen Jerusalem for my name to be there. And I have chosen David to rule my people. Now let's get this straight. I may have written down the wrong reference. What, what do we have there? Okay. Is it, not, is it not on the screen there? Okay. Listen to this. And you're looking at it in the Bible right now. Hopefully you're looking on your phone or in your Bible. God said this. I have chosen Jerusalem. I have chosen this particular city. Another time when the work of God was under attack, later on in 2 Chronicles, now go to chapter 33, verse seven. This will just add depth to this. It's like a, it's like a um, reinforcement of what God's already said. He said, in this temple and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. That's 2 Chronicles chapter 33, verse seven. 2 Chronicles 33, verse seven. So it is that I want you to see that there is a biblical connection to the city of Jerusalem. It's not just a preferred city, like some of you love New York City or you love LA or you love a different international city. You'd love to travel to Paris, Berlin, whatever kind of suits your personal preference. The city of Jerusalem is not something we just prefer. It's a city God has chosen. God has chosen this city to be a place where the work of God is going to be advanced. And that is why issues revolving Jerusalem incites more emotions in people than almost any other issue that happens. I believe it's because there's a strong, strong plan that God has for that city. Now, I'm gonna give you a couple of dates that I want you to at least be familiar with. The first one is this, it's the year 70 AD, 70 AD. Is that on there? 
I'm wondering if, if, if we have the right sermon in there. You have that slide that says 70 AD? Okay, he doesn't have anything. All right, well, we're just, hey, this is like old school, back to 1992, right, huh? <laughs> Preaching without a screen. So write this down then, 70 AD. That is the date you'll wanna remember because that was just about 30 years after Jesus ascended into heaven. And what happened at that time? The Roman army came and, and destroyed the city of Jerusalem. Now this is significant because from 70 AD until just a few decades ago, essentially for 1800 years, the Jewish people ceased to exist. They just ceased to exist at all as a nation. And the Jewish people were scattered all over the world, all over Europe, all over uh, what is Russia now, different places in the world. And the one thing that bound the Jewish people and kept them a people was not a national identity. Uh, it wasn't a military army. It wasn't a political leader. The Jewish people met in synagogues and their religion kept them as a people. And so it's a beautiful picture that all over the world, there are Jewish synagogues and people uh, of this ethnic group are bound together by their devotion to what we now call the Torah or the Old Testament, they call that the Torah also. And their devotion to that has kept them a people. And they are the ones who birthed Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was a Jew. Jesus Christ went to synagogue every Saturday. Christianity sprung out of Judaism. And because of that, because of that, Satan has been attacking the Jewish people ever since the fall. You can read your Bible and see it over and over again. What sticks out to my mind right away is Pharaoh. And Pharaoh, his hate for the Jewish people. The Jewish people were in Egypt. And here he enslaved them for, for centuries. He enslaved them and kept them from being the people God wanted them to be. And it was all part of God's plan. But it took the seven plagues to release them. And so there it was, the Jewish people. The Jewish people, that persecution went on throughout the Bible. But 70 AD was a significant year because that's when the city of Jerusalem changed and the Jewish people were scattered throughout the world. Here's another day, you'll have to write this down. 638 AD. 638 AD. That is when Muslims took over Jerusalem and Jerusalem became a holy site for them. And so we have this great tension now to the two and now you could say three of the world's great religions Judaism Christianity and the Muslim faith have all identified Jerusalem as a city a holy city a special city but we see this that the reason we started today with second chronicles 3 uh, 6 6 is because we see that this covenant started with God and God chose this city and he chose these people and because of this, I believe that demonic attacks have stirred up, stirred up the powers of this world to try to oppress the people, the people of Jerusalem and the people, the Jewish people. And so the Jewish people were scattered all over the world. Then you now will start remembering some of these stories from history class. The Spanish and Portuguese Inquisition, the Jews were persecuted. The Crusades, the Catholic Church persecuted and attacked Jewish people more contemporary and closer to our times, the final solution that Hitler and the Christians of Germany came up with. I'm not saying they were Christians as in the born again, redeemed experience, but they were definitely Christians demographically. 
And, and the Germans came up with a final solution, or really not the Germans, excuse me, the Nazis came up with a final solution to exterminate. And six million Jews, I want you to think about this. Six million Jews were exterminated in one of the worst genocides the world has ever known. Because of that, a movement, a movement was crystallized. It started in the 1800, but you'll want to write this term down, called Zionism. I had all this stuff on the screen. I put it in early this morning when our uh, guest speaker told me his plane wasn't going to get to Nashville. But Zionism, listen, Zionism was this. It was the belief that the Jewish people needed a homeland because they were scattered throughout the world and they were getting persecuted over and over and over again. And so because of that, the world decided and Christians led the way on this, that the Jewish people need a place of refuge. They need a home and Places in South America were explored and places in West Africa were explored. But the natural place where, where historically the Jews had been from and which at that time uh, the, the Jews had the largest population, it was in Palestine or what we call Palestine today. And so Jews began to move back to Palestine all through the 1800s, all through the early 1900s. And then after World War II, when six million Jews were exterminated in Europe, the United Nations decided we have to have a country for the Jewish people. And so here's another key year. This year, I do want you to remember, 70 AD, I want you to remember that. Here's the other year, 1948. 1948, remember that year. That was the year that Israel became a nation. One of the newest nations on earth right now. Israel became a nation and President Harry Truman was one of the first leaders to acknowledge under his leadership in America, even though his cabinet thought it was a bad idea, Harry Truman acknowledged Israel as a legitimate nation. And America has been a great supporter of Israel ever since. 1967, I want you to write that year down. 1967 is the year that the Jewish people recaptured Jerusalem. And the Six-Day War is a Six-Day War. Thank you. I know we have some Jewish scholars that are here. They're watching me. They're watching me, making sure I'm accurate. You know, I feel the pressure of them. Six-Day Wars, the, the Arab countries were all attacking Israel. We're all attacking Israel to eliminate them, to exterminate them. And I believe God empowered them to push back the Arab armies, and Jerusalem was recaptured. All right, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna categorize this talk into three categories. The first one is this, what was, write that down, what was. And I don't want to belabor the point. Todd, there are no, there are no notes. We look in the library for 2015. Did you look for that? 2015-February 22nd. What was, now we know what was, but now what is today? And I'm just going to talk extemporaneously now because um, some of the things I'm gonna share with you won't have as effect if you can't see the scripture. You know, it's kind of boring just to hear somebody read, right? Are you with me on that? So if you can't read the scripture, and most of you don't have pens, how many of you have pens on you right now? Let's see, okay, all right, then, then, then we will give you some notes then. Um, what was, so we see this persecuted people. They were, they were persecuted by Egypt, persecuted by the Crusades, persecuted by the Inquisition, persecuted by Hitler, persecuted in the Byzantine Empire. Zionism happened. Now, I want you just to look at the scripture. Go to Isaiah chapter 11. Write this down. 
All right, thank you. All right, Isaiah chapter 11, starting with verse 10. We have that scripture there? We're off to the races now. All right, you ready? (laughs) On that day, the root of Jesse, this is Isaiah 11, will stand as a banner for the people. The nations will seek him, and his resting place will be glorious. On that day, the Lord will extend a hand a second time to recover from Assyria, Egypt, and it goes on to list the other nations and the coast and the islands of the west, the remnant of his people who survive. He will lift up a banner for the nations and gather the dispersed of Israel. He will collect the scattered of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Now, I want you to see this is a biblical prophecy, and many biblical prophecies have happened in first measure and second measure. I believe this scripture has happened in two measures. The first measure was a regathering of the Jewish people from Babylonia. But I believe that we are living in a time when this has happened right now. Over the last 70 years, since 1948, there has been an incredible migration. Do you know that Jews from all over the world are returning to Jerusalem and the land that's surrounding them? Now, there has to be a reason for this. The world itself has said this has to happen. Never again can there be a holocaust. Never again can there be a genocide. Never again can a people be oppressed like this. And so the world has demanded that there be a safe haven, that there be a nation. But what the world doesn't often realize is that they are, they are operating concurrent with the will of God for the unfolding of his plan for this earth. God made a covenant with the Jewish people and his fulfillment of that covenant is part of his purposes being accomplished in this world. And so what has happened is Jews from all over the world has returned to Jerusalem. Do you know there are 6 million Jews in New York City? And that has always been the largest population center of Jews until recently. In recent years, Israel has now surpassed New York City of having more Jewish people. Since the Iron Curtain fell and Eastern Europe was democratized and Russia took some form of democracy, as we now see, it's kind of falling apart, but Thousands upon thousands of Russian Jews have returned to Jerusalem. The ministry that we support, ICEJ, whose director was supposed to speak this morning, is a ministry we support. I believe in this ministry because uh, its national headquarters are based in Murfreesboro. So I have a monthly lunch with Daryl Heading, who's one of their leaders. Their, of course, their international ministry is in Jerusalem itself. And the reason I believe in this ministry, and I'm glad our church supports it, is because this ministry is not attached to some wild kind of end time um, grasping eschatology, uh, trying to make the return of the Lord happen with some kind of manipulation of the Jews. There's a real problem with that in Christianity. I'm sorry, but if you're showing love to the Jewish people because you're trying to uh, incite the return of the Lord, that's a wrong motivation. We as Christians are called to show love to the Jewish people as people who our faith has emerged from, our faith has sprung to, and people who have been persecuted by Christians, and the fact that historically we know Christians have persecuted Jews are a reason today that it's a good thing that this church and our church love Jewish people today and support them. So we are part of a ministry uh, that is showing love to the Jewish people by feeding the poor, by providing uh, nursing homes for Holocaust survivors, uh, by being there in crucial times uh, when Jewish people are bombed by uh, the Palestinian Liberation Army. 
I will say this too, and I want to be really clear about this. Uh, as God's people and as a church, we love the Palestinians too. And you know that there's a significant, uh, there's a significant Christian minority in Palestine. And so we love Palestinian people too. We love all people. But we know this is that uh, the Jewish people have a special assignment from God. And the point I'm trying to make today is this, is we're aware of the past, but I don't know if you're aware of the present, that you're living in a time of history when something amazing is happening. Well, that scripture we read in Isaiah chapter 11 is coming to pass before your eyes. You're seeing that since 1948, since 1967, that God is bringing his people back to Israel and this has great social implications, but it is a biblical prophetic happening and you're right in the middle of it. Look at Jeremiah 16. Here's another very similar scripture. However, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when men will no longer say, uh, as surely as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites out of Egypt, but they will say, as surely as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites up out of the land of the north and out of all the countries where he had banished them, for I will restore them to the land I gave to their ancestors. Now, again, this happened when the Babylonians released the Jewish people, but it's happening in even greater measure today. From Europe, uh, from Russia specifically, even from the United States of America, from the lands of the north, God is bringing his people back. Now, here's the implications for you. Sometimes, and I want, you to, I want you to hear, you know, why does this matter? I can see a glaze just coming over, you know, glaze over some of you in this warm sanctuary. Why does this matter? Do you know that sometimes you can be in the middle of God answering a prayer, but you don't have eyes to see it in your own life. You can be right in the middle of God fulfilling his promises for your life, but you don't even see it. And I want you to understand this is when you begin to see the Lord prosper the nation of Israel, and prosper the Jewish people. And you begin to see uh, God regathering his people back to this special land. It's a sign unto you that the things that God has for you, he's working right now. Do you know that since 1948, it hasn't all been perfect for the Jewish people? There's been a couple of wars that they haven't fared well. Uh, you know, you watch the news too, and there have been, um, there have been different times when they've been attacked and when um, they've lost people, and there's also been times when their government hasn't responded in appropriate ways, in ways that are not pleasing, and I in no way endorse everything the Israeli government does. We're not here supporting the government as much as we're supporting God's plan for those people. But I will say this, is that we have to be aware that even when things aren't going well for them in the short run, in the large scope, we're in the middle of something historical happening, that God is causing his word to come to pass in those people. And what does that mean for you? It means a lot of things, but it means that God's causing his plan for your life to come to pass. And sometimes when you've had a rough week, a rough day, uh, maybe even a rough year and a rough season in your life, it's easy to think, oh man, man, because of this happened, has God forgotten me? Has God abandoned me? Has God, has God finished with me? Let the Jewish people, let what he does in Israel be assigned to that. Here's the last, last thing. I've talked about what was, what is, but here's the last thing I wanna say, what will be. What will be. This is why Israel matters. We must, listen, as a nation and as a church and as an individual, 
we must support Israel's right to exist because it's part of God's plan in the end times. Write this down, Romans 9 through 11. Romans 9 through 11 talks about, in the New Testament, God's plan to restore the Jewish people and their recognition of the Messiah. We love Romans 1 through 8, the Romans road, right? And then Romans 12 is great because it's an easy scripture to preach, you know, be a living sacrifice. It's a great sermon to preach. But we ignore Romans 9, 10, and 11. But Romans 9, 10, and 11 talks in the New Testament about God's plan for the Jewish people to be restored to his kingdom and to his purposes and the plan that he has. And now I wanna take you to Isaiah chapter two. This is what's gonna happen and what you're gonna see. Isaiah chapter two, starting with verse one. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. So you're seeing that. This is a vision that Isaiah saw towards Judah and Jerusalem. This is in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be established at the top of the mountains and will be raised above the hills. And I believe this is talking about a recognition that God's gonna see the blessing upon the nation of Israel, a blessing on Jewish people. The mountain of the Lord's house will be established at the top of the mountains. All nations will stream to it, verse three. And many people will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us about his ways so that we may walk in his paths. For instruction will go out of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he will settle disputes among the nations and provide arbitration for many peoples. They will turn their swords into plows and their spears into pruning, pruning knives. Nations will not take up the sword against other nations and they will never again train for war. Isaiah 2, one through four. Guys, listen, let me tell you, I believe these words are some of the most beautiful words in scripture. They are some of the most beautiful, and we do not emphasize these words enough. God has a plan, and this plan is attached to the city of Jerusalem and the people of Israel. Let's look through this scripture again, starting with verse, verse one. Um, I've already, let's go to the next slide, I'm sorry, verse three. Look at some of the implications. People will come and say, let's go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God. He will teach us about his way that many walk in his path. There is going to come a time when the leaders of the world are going to go to the city of Jerusalem because the ways of God are gonna be established there. And they're gonna say, let's find a better way to lead. With King Jesus as a leader, how can we lead where people are not oppressed? How can we lead where armies of the world are not oppressing freedom? How can we lead in such a way where justice abounds? How can we lead in such a way where prosperity happens and health is spread and that there's equality? How can we lead that way? For instruction will go out of Zion. Go on to the next slide. And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, he will settle disputes among the nations. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if we lived in a world where all of these sectarian um, kind of conflicts that preoccupy our time, that kill people, that desecrate the land that destroys the environment. Wouldn't it be great if all those types of civil wars would come to an end? Wouldn't it be great if we lived in a world where there was not war, uh, there was not a a place where uh, monarchs and leaders and dictators are oppressing their people through military power? Can I just tell you that's a cry of Jesus's heart? And that's a cry of the world's heart. 
And there's going to come a time where he's going to settle disputes among the nations. He's going to provide arbitrary. And I love these words here. They will turn their swords into plows and their, their spears into pruning knives. Wouldn't it be great that if our world, if the technology we're using to develop weapons to destroy, smart bombs, nuclear bombs, all of these sophisticated ways we're killing one another. If, wouldn't it be great if the world would begin to use science and technology uh, to solve world hunger? Wouldn't it be great if we begin to use science and technology uh, to try to cure cancer? Wouldn't it be great if we started using all of the mental power that's going to dominate through weapons and through training armies to train more doctors and nurses and to train more humanitarian efforts? Wouldn't that be great? I mean, is that not the cry of our hearts? Can I tell you, that's the cry of God's heart. That's the cry of God's heart. And he has a plan to keep his covenant with his people. He has a plan for him to prosper the Jewish people and therefore prosper all of us who believe in the name of Jesus. And so that in the end time that we're gonna see the reign of Christ. Now I've studied the end times. I know there's a lot of curiosity about eschatology. When's it gonna happen? How's it gonna happen? And, and I've spent some time studying that. And the more I've studied that, the less I'm sure. And if someone's really sure about that, you know, I, I don't know. I think the Bible, uh, the Bible has lots of mystery about that. But I do know some things. Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back to show this world what it's like when he rules and when he reigns. And he's coming back to right the wrongs. And he's coming back to eradicate diseases. He's coming back to cause death not to rule anymore. He's coming back to end wars and to stop violence. And he is coming back and he has a plan. And we know this. And this is the hope that we have. And so it is that that, uh, you know, the, the people of Jerusalem, the people of Israel, I challenge you to be an advocate for them. I challenge you not to just blindly support them, but to go back to your scripture and, and to study your scripture and, and to, to look at current events and, and to see where there's bias on both sides and to objectively see, objectively see what could God be doing among these people and why it's important because it truly, truly does matter. Listen, we don't know how the world's gonna end. I'm serious. I think Christians need a whole lot more, a whole lot more humility in that area. A few years ago, we, we had a guy around here who went to a small group. And he told this small group of young people, he said, hey, this guy's a really smart guy. He said, I believe the Lord Jesus Christ is gonna come back in two weeks. So we had a meeting in my office and he gave me his evidence and, and I respected him. And I just said, well, I just want to tell you that I am sure of one thing. God is not coming back this week, the weekend you've identified because no man knows the day or no man knows the hour. And he disagreed with me. This was a Thursday. Jesus was supposed to come back in the next 48 hours. So I said, the conversation came to an end and we had nowhere to go. So I said, well, let's just end this meeting. And if you're right, I'll see you in heaven. And if I'm right, I'll see you at church Sunday morning. <laughs> and we saw him at church Sunday morning. <laughs> Been waiting years to tell that story. Sorry, that was great. <laughs> I just had a funny moment. I mean, I left and I was proud of myself for saying that. Um, guys, listen, don't get, don't get caught up in that stuff. Get your heart ready. Let, let, let's, let's, let's get our heart ready. Let's not do backdating 
and, and go back. And what happens is everyone plays with the year 1948, 1967, and they make it 40 years a generation. Oh, we missed it. Well, 50 years is a generation, then 70 years is a generation. And it's the original fuzzy math. And date setting, that's what started a lot of Christian cults. So we shouldn't do that. What we should do is have a hopeful, a hopeful anticipation that Jesus is gonna come back when he wants to, how he wants to, and that's our blessed hope. And, and we're, until he comes, we're living out his truth and we're living out his way. And every time, every time we see a challenge to the Jewish people, it's a sign to us that God has a plan. And that plan has been since Genesis chapter one, excuse me, Genesis, that too, but Genesis chapter 12, when he made his covenant, covenant with Abraham. And that plan was true uh, today when, when we're dealing with all the current issues and that plan will be true one day when we see Jesus ruling and reigning from the city of Jerusalem. Amen? Let's stand together. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. 